Saul Panzer and I have been going to baseball games in New York for years, almost since I started working for Nero Wolf. Somehow I became a Giants fan early on, probably because a satisfied client of Wolf's gave me tickets to a game at the Polo Grounds the first year that I lived and toiled in the old brownstone on West 35th Street, over near the Hudson River. For those of you new to these narratives, some words about Saul Panzer before we move on. Truth be told, he will not bowl you over with his appearance. He stands about five foot seven, and I doubt he'd push the needle on a bathroom scale beyond the 140 mark. His wrinkled mug is about two-thirds nose, and he invariably needs a shave. He has rust-colored hair that rarely sees a comb, and his shoulders stoop, one lower than the other. He's usually garbed in an old suit, gray or brown, and a battered flat cap that's every bit as old as his suit's. But do not for a single moment let the man's appearance fool you. Saul happens to be the best freelance operative, by far, in what is this country's largest city, by far. He makes himself invisible when he's holding a tail, and he sniffs out clues better than the finest bloodhound pacing nervously in the police kennel. Because of this, and other attributes, he always has more business than he can handle although he has been known to drop any case he's working on to tackle a job for Nero Wolf when asked. He admires Wolf, and the feeling is reciprocated. I trust Saul more than might be thought credible, Wolf has said on several occasions, a feeling I strongly second. A bachelor, Saul lives on the top floor of a remodeled building on East 38th Street. His digs include a spacious living room with floor-to-ceiling bookcases filled with Yes, books, several museum-quality oil paintings on the walls, a grand piano, and a bar well-stocked with brands that boast quality labels. The best poker player I have had the bad fortune to go up against. Saul makes good money, both with cards and as a detective, and he invests it wisely. He owns two buildings in Brooklyn, that I'm aware of, and currently has his eye on another one. While we're on the subject of Brooklyn— Saul is a lifelong Dodgers fan, which is how we happen to attend two games a season together, one each at the Polo Grounds and at Ebbets Field, over on the other side of the East River in Brooklyn. This tradition began when Saul ragged me about rooting for the Giants. The result was that we bet on each of the games we attend, with the loser buying dinner at Rusterman's Restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. The world-class eatery owned and operated by Marco Vucic, Nero Wolf's oldest and best friend. We've been fairly even in the years since we began this ongoing wager, although I had won the last two times and was feeling pretty confident that sunny mid-June afternoon in the polo grounds up at the north end of Manhattan. Given that the Giants were leading the league and were several games ahead of the Dodgers, the preseason league favorites, who were struggling in third place. Archie, old friend, I can sense your smugness. Saul said with a sly grin, as we slid into our front row seats, slightly to the third base side of home plate, and halfway between the two dugouts. He was barely seated when he fired up one of those foul-smelling Egyptian cigarettes he insists on buying. But pride cometh before a fall, and my beloved bums have their best pitcher going today, none other than Ace Farley. I see a free meal at Rusterman's in my very near future— I can almost taste the tornado beau that you will be treating me to, Mr. Goodwin. Not so fast, transplanted Brooklynite. 
You know that we've got our own top hurler going, Hawk Harrigan, who's won his last six games, three of them shutouts. So I fully expect that this very evening, I will be feasting on Pierre Drie en Casserole, courtesy of one S. Panzer, misguided Dodgers aficionado. As for the tornado, feel free to order them. After all, you're the one who will be picking up the tab. The raillery over, we settled back in our seats, each with a beer and a hot dog, and awaited the start of the game. We quickly got to our feet, however, as the star-spangled banner blared in a static-filled recording as a group of some twenty Boy Scouts in uniform trooped smartly onto the field, each of them holding an American flag high.